life that are specifically just for the Lord. I think any truly intimate relationship has attributes and aspects to it that is only for that person. That's true in a marriage. And I believe it's true with the Lord. There should be certain things that you say, you know what, that is for the Lord alone. And I love my spouse, but that's not even for them. That's what a true intimate relationship is. There are certain things in your personal life that you don't share on Facebook or send a tweet out about. These things are intimate, just for you and your spouse or family. In the same way, Pastor Daniel will share today that some things should just be kept sacred for the Lord. Whether it's giving habits, prayers, or something you've been given by God, there are aspects of your relationship with your father that should only be for you and for him. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Exodus chapter 30 as he continues his message, Final Details. We get some of the spices, although we don't know exactly what they were, but it was a certain fragrant smell that the Lord desired for his incense, it's an equal part, again, according to the art of the perfumer, which we're going to talk about in a moment. Now, notice in verse 35, you shall make of these an incense, a compound according to the art of a perfumer, salted, pure, and holy. Now, salt, of course, we know is a preserving agent. And that culture, they didn't have ice boxes, so if they got a piece of meat, they would write salt on it so that the salt would stay. If you're ever uh, doing survival training in the wilderness and you bring meat with you, you can rub salt on it. It'll last a little bit longer if you don't. But notice, salted, pure, and holy. Salted, pure, and holy. Jesus said, you shall be the salt of the earth. The idea is that the people of God are meant to be a preserving agent in the world. That's one of our jobs. A preservative keeps something from decaying. That's what it does. That's why when you buy something, it's got all sorts of preservatives in it. So it could sit on the shelf in Freddy's for a long, long time until you buy it. It'll still taste good when you get it. And in a lot of ways, that's one of the jobs of the people of God is to be a preserving agent for the world in which we live. Oftentimes, it says that our, our, our words should be full of grace, seasoned with salt. That's why we shouldn't let coarse jesting or coarse words proceed from our mouth. Because our mouth should be a fountain of blessing that's a preserving agent in the world. Not only should it be salted, it should be pure and holy. We should be pure as the Lord our God is pure. That word pure literally means unmixed. That's what purity is. It means without mixture. So God wants us to be unmixed, pure, undefiled, and holy, which we've talked about a lot. The idea means to be set apart for the Lord. And again, once again, don't make any of this incense for yourself. This is something special just for the Lord. Now listen, there are certain things in your life that should just be for the Lord. 
Just like in your relationships, not all of your relationships with everyone is for public consumption. Like there are certain things that we shouldn't update our Facebook status about. It's just not for that audience. And there should be things in your life that are specifically just for the Lord. I think any truly intimate relationship has attributes and aspects to it that is only for that person. That's true in a marriage. And I believe it's true with the Lord. There should be certain things that you say, you know what, that is for the Lord alone. And I love my spouse, but that's not even for them. That's what a true intimate relationship is. Now, I say that and some of you think, well, what what should it be with me and only the Lord? I don't know. And I I can't tell you what that is. But there should be aspects of your heart, your life and the Lord, things that you do that nobody knows about but the Lord alone. That's why Jesus talked about our charitable giving in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. He said, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Do you ever think about that? Talk about a crazy verse. When was the last time your left hand didn't know what your right hand was doing? Anybody had that experience? I've never had. The idea is, is God wants us to do our charitable things, our acts of good deeds, like Adam and Eve did in the garden without self-consciousness. Not like, hey, if I do this, maybe I'll get my picture on their website and everyone will know what a good person I am. That's not doing something with a lack of self-consciousness. It's just doing it to do it as unto the Lord. You don't even think about what you're doing. And I really believe that that's the goal of Christian service, to live in such a way that you're not conscious about everybody being conscious of you doing what you're doing. You just do it as unto the Lord, and the Lord sees. When you give, you give as unto the Lord, and the Lord sees. It's not about giving so everyone else knows that you gave. There should just be certain things that are reserved for the Lord alone. And the Lord loves those things, those little secret things. In the book of Revelation where it says that the Lord's going to give him a new name, a name that only he knows. I love that. God's got nicknames for us. Do you ever wonder what God's nickname for me is? You're like, I do wonder actually. See, That's the intimacy of the Lord. The Lord wants you to have a life with him that is so uncommon, so unique, that he's got a nickname for you that only he knows. And every once in a while, he fills you in on that. That there are aspects of your relationship that's not for everybody, but he sees and he knows and he enjoys that about who you are. And I think what's so challenging about that for us is that we do want that affirmation from people, don't we? We really want someone to say, oh, you know, I see all that you're doing and wow, you know, but if we do it for people, then if, as I always say, if we don't get the response that we want from them, we stop doing it. We get a little grumpy, but if we do it to the Lord, it doesn't matter if anybody notices because we're not doing it for them anyway. And that's why if we live our lives vertically as unto the Lord, it doesn't matter what people think. It doesn't matter if people, if your boss says, oh, I saw that you stayed here until midnight last night to get this project done because you're really not doing it for your boss. You're doing it for Jesus. And Jesus sees it. And Jesus is stoked that you're a good employee and when push comes to shove and needs to get done while everyone else is bailing out, you're like, I'm just going to stick and do it. And if somebody else takes the credit for it, God knows who did it. And you're not even upset about that because you're not doing it for people. You're doing it for the Lord. And how, it is hard though, isn't it? 
Because we all want to be loved. We all want to be noticed. But you know, I've, I think about this from time to time as a pastor. Because I do a lot of the stuff that I get to do with the Lord in public. You know, and I think about the... Because I do things and on a stage and people see it and, and all this stuff, I, I often think to myself, you know, Lord, the people who get on their knees, who don't ever get on a stage... Lord, you enjoy that so much. They're going to get the biggest reward in heaven. I'll be lucky if, I, if I'm in the cheap seats. I'm going to get there, though, by grace. But I don't think that there's like a great, like, upfront bungalow for me on the sea of glass. It's like I'm going to be like on a plank in the middle of the, on the ocean, just like, Lord, yeah. Because everything I do is seen. It's public. But what nobody sees, that's the magic right there. The things that you do that only the Lord knows. Oh, that's the sweet stuff right there. Don't worry if nobody notices because God sees. And he who sees what you do in secret, it says, will reward you openly. Don't worry if no one notices. Don't even worry if no one says thank you because the Lord sees. He loves you that much. He's watching. He's checking it out. So let there be those things that are just for the Lord, not for anybody else. Now, in chapter 31, look at what it says in verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the spirit of God and wisdom and an understanding and knowledge and in all manner of workmanship to design artistic works, to work in gold, in silver, in bronze, in cutting jewels for setting, in carving wood, and to work in all manner of workmanship. Verse 6, And I indeed, I have appointed with him Aholiab, the son of Asimach, of the tribe of Dan, and I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans that they may make all that I have commanded you, the tabernacle of meeting, the ark of the testimony, the mercy seat that is on it, and all the furniture of the tabernacle, the table and its utensils, the pure gold lampstand with all its utensils, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils, and the laver and its base the garments of ministry, the holy garments for Aaron, the priest, and the garments of his sons to ministers, priests, and the anointing oil and the sweet incense for the holy place, according to all that I have commanded you, they shall do. Now notice, here we have the people who God has gifted to build it. We have Bezalel, we have Aholiab, and then we have all the gifted artisans. Now, I want to make a point with this, because I think this is so important. Everybody has been gifted to do different things. And it's so easy as a Christian to think that only Moses has got the Spirit of God on him to lead the people, or only Joshua after Moses, or only one of the prophets. And now we find out that Bezalel was a gifted artisan. He was a designer. He was a woodworker. He could make jewelry. This guy, Aholiab, could do a whole other things. And there was all these gifted artisans who God put his spirit on to do the work that God wanted them to do. And brothers and sisters, listen, I believe that this is probably the most important thing I will say to you all night is that God created you exactly the way he wanted you with the skills he wanted you to have to do the work he's called you to do. 
And so if you are good with your hands, if you can build things, then build things for the glory of God. If you can fix an engine, then fix an engine for the glory of God. If you can cook a mean barbecue, then cook a mean barbecue for the glory of God. And don't worry about what you're not, how you're not like some other person. Because what's beautiful about this is it says here that Bezalel, that the spirit of God was on him. And the spirit of God was, it was the spirit of knowledge and understanding and wisdom and for workmanship. Oftentimes, I believe that we miss what God has for us is because we're so busy looking at what we're not or how we're not like somebody rather than being like, Lord, you have given me these gifts and I just give them to you and say, Lord, what do you want to do with this stuff? Because the body of Christ functions best when everyone's in their sweet spot. When everyone is like, this is the gift. This is where my passion and my giftings meet. And wherever your passion and your giftings meet, that's the way God made you. And that's the way God wants to empower you by his Holy Spirit to be that person in his body. But what happens is oftentimes, and and I think in some ways as pastors and churches, we can do people wrong by making them think the only way that you can be used of the Lord is if you can preach, if you can play an instrument, and if you can teach kids in kids' church. That's not all the parts of the body of Christ. And each one of us needs to say, Lord, I want to function in my sweet spot with you. Because I believe that the Spirit of God has empowered each one of you, each one of us, to be the people that he's called us to be. So you have to say, Lord, Where do my passions and my giftings meet? And I say those two things because one, you got to want to do it. You got to be passionate about it. And two, you have to be gifted there. Like, remember I said that I would love to be a center in the NBA? I'm a horrible basketball player. Like, when I I really wanted to play football growing up, and my mom wasn't having that. My dad was like, oh, let him play football. My mom was like, no, he's going to break something. So, but they let me play basketball because I was supposed to not have any contact. And so I, you know, I was in the game for like five minutes. I fouled out every game. I'm like six fouls in five minutes. I'm gone, you know? So the guy would come drive. I'd just tackle him. Yeah. This is before they gave him flagrant fouls and all that stuff. I'm a horrible basketball player. So I can say the Lord's, the Lord's empowered me to be a great basketball player, but I'm horrible. I can't shoot. See, I may like it, but I'm not good at it. It's not my sweet spot. I do like it, though. It's fun. But I'm not good at it. So it's that, Lord, where's that passion? Something I want to do and the giftings meet. And listen, I've practiced basketball a lot in my life. I never got much better. I shot a lot of free throws. I still can't make a free throw. Unless I'm shooting them, they call it granny style from between your legs. You know, I can make them that way. If I'm shooting over, it's not, see? It's just, I'm not gifted that way. So that sweet spot is where your passions and your giftings meet. And for Bezalel and Aholiab and these gifted artisans, that was exactly what God made them to do. God created them with the ability to design and make and do these things. And God's like, yeah, I gifted them to do it exactly the way that I want it to be. And they're going to make it. And so I want to encourage you, don't focus on what you're not. Don't worry about how you don't stack up next to whoever you think's got it going on. 
Say, Lord, where do my passions and my giftings meet? And Lord, I want you to empower me by your Holy Spirit to use that for your glory. And if all of us, not only us, but all the people of God all across God's beautiful creation today would do that, the body of Christ would function perfectly. But sometimes we allow people or our own fears to pull us out of our sweet spot. And all of a sudden you have eyes that are trying to be mouths or mouths that are trying to be feet and feet that are trying to be fingers or whatever. Be the person God made you to be and be okay with what that is. Sure, I'd still love to be a professional basketball player. But God's called me to be a pastor. What did God make you for? And be that to the glory of God. And and know what the beauty is? When each one of us are that to the glory of God, God gets the same amount of enjoyment in that. I think of uh, a good friend of mine. You got a lot of you know Steve. Steve's just like, he's just like a gifted guy. Like he made the pulpit. Like he's fixed my car. He's like, hey, you broken down yet? I'll come fix it for you. He's that, that kind of a guy. He's just like, hey, Steve, how do you do that? And he's like, well, yeah, you can do it this way, this way. And he's got his little shop at home and he makes these things. And what's beautiful is that when Steve does something like that, God gets as much glory from that as when I preach a sermon. Or when 20 people give their lives to the Lord in this place, because I didn't do it anyway. God gets the same amount of glory from Steve using his giftings with his hands as God gets from me saying, hey, if you want to give your life to Jesus, and someone says, yeah, I do. God gets the same glory because each one of us is empowered by the Holy Spirit doing what God made us to do. So brothers, sisters, don't be ashamed at the way God made you celebrate it. And it's great that you're not like somebody else because if God wanted you to be like someone else, he would have made you like that. So where does the passion and the giftings meet? That is where the Spirit of God works in your life and through your life. And then finally, verse 12, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel saying, surely my Sabbaths you shall keep. For it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. You shall keep the Sabbath. Therefore, for it is holy to you, everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. For whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. Work shall be done for six days, but the seventh is the Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. Therefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth. And on the seventh day, he rested and was refreshed. And when he had made an end of speaking with him on Mount Sinai, he gave Moses two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of God. Now think about this. We've been talking about the Sabbath since Genesis chapter 2. Since the very beginning of the Bible. And it keeps coming up over and over again. You might think to yourself, well, why is this here now? Because God just gave him a whole boatload of work to do. I mean, we've had literally six chapters. I want you to make this. I want you to make this. I want you to make this. I want you to make this incense and this oil and all this furniture. And we need to make all this wood and all this gold and all this artistic stuff. And then he says, listen, and don't forget, 
don't break the Sabbath while you're doing it. How often, how often do you and I, in the midst of busy things to do, neglect to rest? And, and how many of you have neglected to rest only to have God lay you down for a while? Right? It's like you just keep going, 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 and all of a sudden you're like on your back for a week. God reminds them in the midst of all that he's asked them to do is, listen, I still want you to rest. I still want you to keep Sabbath. I still want you not to take all this work and in the name of me, just go crazy and lose your witness. Now, someone's here thinking, well, does that mean we're supposed to keep the Sabbath? What's our Sabbath rest? Jesus is. Read the book of Hebrews. That's why it's there. Jesus is our Sabbath rest. When we come to Christ, we cease from our labor. Now, because Jesus is our Sabbath rest, you should still take a break, brothers and sisters. The reason we have a workaholic culture is because we like things more than we like to take care of ourselves. That's why we do it. Most cultures, they think Americans are nuts, and I have to agree with them. Think about the curse on work that God gave to Adam. That he'd sweat, right? See, the curse of the fall of Adam and Eve was that man has an inappropriate relationship with his work. And so we have to be careful. Don't get me wrong. Work hard, but rest. It's good for you. It rejuvenates you physically. You take that time to take care of your relationships. It rejuvenates you socially and it rejuvenates you spiritually. You need to spend some time with the Lord. It's not a bad thing to take a nap. It's healthy. So many of us are so focused on work and don't get, I'm not preaching down on anybody. I like work just as much as the next person. But God's always reminding me it's a marathon, not a sprint. That this life in Christ, it's about the long view, not just the near term. And don't get me wrong, there are times when you're sprinting in life, but make sure you remember that you're not supposed to sprint forever. You need to take a break. Don't feel bad if you take a break. God ordained the Sabbath so that the people could rest and be rejuvenated in their relationship with him, with each other, and with themselves. And so in the midst of all this work to do, in the midst of all this work to do, God says, don't forget to keep the Sabbath. Don't blow over the Sabbath because you have all these things to build for me. And that's an important lesson. And notice in verse 18, and this is our transition verse. It says, and when he made an end of speaking with him on Mount Sinai, God gave Moses two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of God. Now you get that? God actually wrote those two tablets of stone and handed them to Moses. That's why I always say that there's not only 10 commandments in the Bible. Those were just the special 10. They were the 10 written with the finger of God. Jesus is real. Pastor Daniel reminded you today to rest. Resting is important. This life is a marathon after all, not a sprint. God never intended for you to be a workaholic, but rather to do good work and then take a break. He wants you to give your all to find refreshment and life in Him. If you, like many, tend to focus on work more than anything else, take a break. Spend time with your Heavenly Father and allow Him to renew your purpose. 
Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. Thanks so much for tuning in today. It's such an amazing honor to share God's Word, and I love seeing how God is working through this ministry. Would you partner with us? I'd love for you to join us in sharing the message that Jesus is real by being a prayer partner or financial supporter. Find out more by visiting our website, JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus Is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com, click on the stations option in the main menu, and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel shares a depressing development. The children of Israel have turned to sin. Instead of waiting for their leader to return with God's instructions, they'll revert back to their former ways, creating an idol to put in their Heavenly Father's place. This will anger God and cause Moses to need to intercede on behalf of his people. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called Tabernacle. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.